This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly World Man Cave in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida in God's country, of course. In the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law, the only official law firm partner of the, um, and clear my throat, fighting Gator. So we'll see how the Gator fights in basketball. And of course, we are protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. And wonderful Wednesday. I think we have to call it wonderful Wednesday from now on because uh, we have got a wonderful meme too, created by Tim posted by the production guys about our great guest comes every Wednesday to uh, reach out to you all to help us try to motivate you to become involved knowledgeably and reliably with reliable, trustworthy information and issues about your government. And uh, we're going to do the same thing today. And we hope you spread it among your links. I spread it among ours. Uh, and we want to keep the flame lit. Now, we have got an unusual approach today. Not so unusual when you think about it in terms of history. As you know, Ted has come up with a list that we never seem to Notice any change in uh, the debt? I guarantee you, since we talked last, the debt's bigger. Uh, oh, the border, right. I guarantee you, since we talked last, more have come across the border. The election laws, we've got a story about that. Uh, more and more now, it's coming out while they try to fry O'Guliani and break him financially and break Trump. It's becoming more and more apparent that there was election beep all over the country and that these prosecutors don't want to touch it. The judicial system doesn't want to touch it. Uh, and I've got a new take on abominization of America, which I haven't shared yet with Ted, um, and leadership. I'm anxious to hear it. Yeah, and, and towards China. So uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Jody Davis, Brenda, Ken, uh, Plantation, all those of you who are checking in with us and are early to class. Well, uh, we have got... Uh, so many things to talk about. We barely scratch the surface when we get going. And uh, things happen almost moment by moment now as we rush closer and closer to the precipice, really. A lot of us see it as a precipice, uh, a point of no return. Um, you know, Ted, let's just begin, if we can, allow me. You know, we've been watching Biden mumble about giving money to Israel and Ukraine. I'm going to start off something that might be controversial. Wouldn't be the first time, would it? No, not at all. Not from you. More and more, Ted. And it's ironic because it's something we nobody saw coming, and that was October 7th. But since October 7th, 
And since the lack of leadership, which is on your list, about the need to confront evil, which is not called, I have lost more and more interest, and apparently so has the Republican arm of the Congress, in writing blank checks for Ukraine. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I have not. That doesn't even compare to what we're up against with evil in Hamas and Israel. And side by side, it has really brought out the lack of leadership in this administration about calling things what they are. Um, I'm going to get out of the way right now that you maybe pull me back in off the uh, back 40 here a little bit if I need to be. Sure. No, um, uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine is over here. He's here to talk to Biden and, and to Congress, hopefully, if they'll let him. And um, he's asking for more support. And, you know, what is America's role in that? You know, I think that's a basic question. What is our role in that? You know, we're the lone superpower of the world, although we're faltering there. And China's rising up. It's the, the city's principle, you know, when a rising power is, is, is gaining strength and things like that, and the old power is, is starting to wane, whenever they cross, there's always a conflict. It's been that way for over 2,000 years in history, and some people say we're right there now. And so, you know, where does America stand with Ukraine, again, being the, the recognized superpower? Um, is you, Ukraine is not our fight. Uh, they're a corrupt democracy, although they're trying to make changes. Um, the previous president was really corrupt and their government is corrupt. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I say that saying, you know, look at our own government. You know, we've got corruption in our own government. And so the whole reason that NATO was formed was to prevent the spread of communism and aggression from Russia or Germany. You know, uh, uh, an authoritarian state, I'll say that. I'm not just going to single out those two countries. But it was to prevent um, an invasion from an authoritarian state going into the other European countries that had become allies of ours after World War II. Hence, NATO came out. And so the role of NATO was to defend that area. And we are members of NATO. We're the largest donors of NATO, largest supplier of military uh, equipment and technology. And, and so we should give accordingly to um, the percent, um, I guess, of the countries represented, we should be the ones that are, are right there side by side, our European allies. I don't see where we need to give any more. And I think the other countries need to do this. And this is something, you know, I got to go back to President Trump. President Trump got the NATO members to pay their dues and, and bring up the money. And when I left Congress, I think they had 20 to $30 billion in revenue uh, in our, our, in funds available. And so let's use those funds the way NATO was designed to help defend Ukraine and invite them into um, the, uh, the NATO alliance, provided their government does what it's supposed to, to do. And the, the one that's blocking that is Turkey. Turkey doesn't want them in NATO. Uh, Russia doesn't want them in NATO. And so they have these big fights at the UN and these, you know, how... If, if Ukraine goes into NATO, it's going to cause World War III. Well, Turkey is the biggest one standing up uh, opposing that because they are a NATO member. 
Uh, but yet they have aligned themselves more with Russia uh, in the last um, probably five to 10 years. And so here you've got a NATO member that's aligned more with Russia. And that, this is something that's just not going to work. They need to either say we're, we're staying with the NATO, the free alliance, or we're going to go with Russia. And uh, I would utilize America's leadership to have NATO do what it was supposed to do. And I think that takes the burden off the American taxpayers somewhat. And we're not out there. And I, you've heard me say this before. If we're supplying all this stuff to Ukraine, we are, in essence, in a, a proxy war using Ukraine as our fighting machine against Russia. And, um, you know, it, it involves us into another um, a war. And this is how we got into Vietnam and these other wars that we've gotten into that's taken us forever to get out of. Um, there hasn't been good resolution afterwards, and it costs us the lives of our young men and women service members. It's eroded our economy and depleted our military. And so I think Congress should have that message going forward saying, instead of saying, we're not going to support Ukraine. I think that sends the wrong message because it empowers Russia. And then keep in mind, if, if, the, if the world, like i.e. China, sees America backing away from the aggression that Putin did to Ukraine, what does that empower Xi Jinping and China to do when it comes to the Asia-Pacific Primarily Taiwan, you know, they're going to move on Taiwan as we show weakness and confusion, which with this president, that's the only thing that's really being projected out there. And then with his stance against Israel, you know, telling him he needs to, you know, back off, telling him, uh, Biden telling Netanyahu that he needs to back off and not be so aggressive. Uh, if I was Netanyahu, I'd tell him to mind his own back door and, uh, or front yard, whatever you want to do, but stay out of my business because these people attacked and killed all these people and did these hyenas crimes. And, um, you know, he's got a, a country to save over there too. And I think, it, again, this goes back to foreign policy. And if you have weak foreign policy, it disrupts the, uh, the, the status quo in the world. And we're seeing that right now. Well, we got a dilemma there because... We're into it, and you don't want to, to be the loser, but you wonder, on the other hand, what you'll win. And you know, here's what bothers me about that. It seems it was poorly thought out in the beginning. We've got murky relationships. I, I think I'm saying it diplomatically, if you will, murky relationships with Ukraine, particularly yeah. because of the, the current government. I, I don't know how you can trust the relationships of Biden's to Ukraine. Um, given what we know about the payrolls and the uh, pad in the pocket and all that business, which well, is the a quick pattern. pro quo, the quick yeah. pro quo. Remember how that was such a favorite word of the left with Trump and Russia and all that. The real quid pro quo was Joe Biden with um, uh, the government of Ukraine firing the prosecutor that was investigating uh, Burisma, the, the oil and energy company that his son worked for. And he, he threatened them to withhold a billion dollars unless they fired this guy. I mean, that's direct involvement. And actually, that's a, um, uh, uh, um, goes against the Constitution, the emollient clause. And um, I, I, that may not be the right clause, but it's where you're using your political influence for personal gain. And, um, you know, why we have not held this guy accountable, I just don't understand. Uh, especially since he's been president with what he's done to the border, 
with what he's done to just like we were talking about before the show, giving away, you know, student loans, paying them off at the expense of the American taxpayers. We never voted on that. And these guys are way outside of the boundaries of the Constitution and they need to be they need to be held accountable. And until you do, they will not change. Um, uh, they will not change. I'm going to tell you on wonderful Wednesday, uh, new meme up. We're going to take a look at it. Great deal by Tim Martin and production putting it up. Uh, yeah, thanks, Tim. That looks great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a work of art. We're talking about initially what we're using as a springboard for our conversations is uh, the, the list uh, that Ted came up with, I don't know, I'm months ago now, that never changes. It only gets worse, as we say in the country. Um, well, it just gets worse. And uh, <coughs> I, I love the country language. Uh, you know, as you know, it's uh, it's its own poetry. But uh, it really is. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a friend who was a barber, not the one we have style cuts. He's a great guy. But once upon a time. You often, right? <laughs> yeah, and once upon a time, he would say, if you was to take and put, and I'd say, no, wait, a minute. wait a minute now. You don't need both. You don't need to take and put. You either take or you put. But, you know, he always, if you want to take and put. And uh, uh, that was another one was to wear. You know, if you get to wear, well, where is to wear? You know, but anyway, I love it. The old uh, veterinarian I used to work for, a lot of your listeners will know Bobby Anderson. One of his favorite favorite words was onlyest. It's the onlyest only one. Out. And my wife was with me one time, and he said that. She goes, "Doc, how do you spell onlyest?" <laughs> I had a friend who said onlyest. It's the onlyest thing I know to do. Oh, that's boy. right. Wonderful. Wonderful. And that's, uh, that's my night. That's that's totality. That's the that's the last chance you have. The onlyest one you can do. The onlyest thing I know to do. I guess we prayed here a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, well, we get, we're getting well, we're getting into language, and we're getting into what we write down is important. And we're talking about uh, a list we made. We made it. The government didn't make it. We made it. The people. So Ted has got an idea today to talk about uh, something we can all relate to, and that is the list of grievances in the Declaration of Independence. Now, in yeah. case you haven't looked at them lately, production is going to put them up on the uh, screen as we go through them. And we are amazed, maybe not so for Ted and me, but uh, nothing's changed. I mean, really, if you look at it, nothing's changed. The first grievance is he has uh, refused uh, his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. And I got to tell you, the first thing that pops in my mind, Ted, is the border. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I would encourage everybody because... You know, the thing I see with your, your program, it's a way to educate people and also to call them to action. Um, and I would I would encourage everybody to go back and review and study the grievances by the colonists back in the 1700s. There was 27 grievances and they just didn't throw these out. There. What they were doing, Thomas Jefferson was the one that came up with this very strong legal mind. And they were they were forming the argument, a legal argument of why they should be able to break free. And it's because uh, King George, he had broken his commitment uh, to English law and he was usurping English law to favor the king. And it was a form of tyranny that they saw. And uh, when you read the 27 grievances that they had, I've got them right here. When you read those, and of course you're putting them up there on your, uh, on your list, 
when you read those and you compare them to what's going on to today, you're like, well, heck, this is worse than what they were doing. And, and keep in mind, keep it in perspective of what the role of the federal government is according to the Constitution. And then ask them, and Ward and I were talking about the uh, forgiveness of student loans. Um, is where is that in the government in, in the Constitution that the government should write off billions of dollars in student loans that we're taking? People took these loans of, of free will, yet they don't want to pay them back, and so they cry. And Biden is going to erase billions of dollars. I think it was 126 billion dollars in student loans that nobody in America voted for. Um, it's not in the Constitution. And the hardworking Americans have to pay for people that don't want to pay their loans back. And, um, you know, I think when you look through these grievances and you see what's going on today, and I think what you said brought up, Ward, I think is, is right on, probably one of the most egregious is the border. And if you look at the number one task that the federal government is tasked with, the number one act that they're supposed to do is to provide for the common defense of the nation. Well, we know who's coming across the border. Not, I should say we don't know everybody coming across the border, but we know enough of the people coming across the border are not here to get a better education, to get a job. They are here to do harm to this country. And then you look at the election laws, and one of the grievances that the, the, the colonists had was how um, King, the king and the British parliament, how they were usurping election laws in the colonies that were English law. And so they were bypassing them to elect their own people from the, that were um, um, uh, favorable to the English crown. And we see that going on today. I mean, you sent me the article about Soros and how they're uh, planning these very liberal progressive DAs around the, the country, how Zuckerbucks and, and the Soros people have put people in place to change the uh, the results of elections um, by the nefarious things they do. And uh, so these things are going on today, but yet they were going on in the 1700s. And that was cause for America, for the American colonists to write the Declaration of Independence says, you know what, enough's enough, because it was tyrannical. And I think we're at a point now where we have a tyrannical government. You know, nobody's going to convince me any different. Case in point, if you're a parent in Virginia a couple years ago and you speak out against all the garbage you're, they're passing in schools, if you speak out against that, um, Mary Garland and the FBI were saying that you're uh, going to be listed as a domestic terrorist. Give me a break. The um, um, lack of a speedy trial or due process. Look at the January 6th people that are still in prison that have not been charged with anything and they've not been tried. We're repeating the same things that happened over 200 years ago that led to our independence. Now, the question is, what do we do? And I think we should come up after you people review the 27 grievances. And what I'd like to see, Ward, is people send in their grievances and keep it professional, keep it in a legalistic best you can. You know, I can't do that because I'm not a lawyer, but make a good argument of why this is a grievance, unless it would be interesting to compile a list after a couple of weeks and come up with how many do we see that are current today, grievances that are legitimate, that the government is doing that they should not be doing. 
And, um, you know, maybe this will lead to a new um, declaration of independence or re-independence. Um, what do you think? Well, um, um, what, what I think is we're talking about, and we might as well nail it, is we're talking about the weaponization of government. And Oh, there's uh, no doubt. Yeah, we, we're talking about the weaponization of government. And no better example is there of it uh, than Trump trying to hang dictatorship around Trump yeah. and saying it's increasingly inevitable when the judicial system has been turned into an arm of the government, just that would have been King George. I mean, it, it, it's uh, so clear by applying laws that were never intended to be applied as is the case in New York, and uh, then the the reluctant, not reluctance, it's just outright deliberate behavior to turn a blind eye to the election laws that yeah. are completely flawed and are that, demonstrably so more and more every day. So well, that's something to talk about <laughs> towards the end as an action item is what do we do? And um, I've got a note here, so we'll come back to that if that's all right with you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk about a little bit, maybe, that fits into this, all that tongue wagging about clean air and right. the UN growth without doing a thing. Because developing nations said, you can't stick us with that. Did you keep an eye on that, Ted? <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I think I sent you that article about, no, it was a video of the people coming across our borders right. uh, and the whole track and how it was organized through NGOs, which are non-government organizations, yet they get funding through many of governments. Our government's the worst at is the best at uh, funding these, which is really the worst because they do nefarious things. And um, by doing that, you know, if you just look at the, the track of these people coming into America from South America, Central America, Haiti, China, Cuba, all these other countries, there is an organized trail. And if you go back, I think it was when Trump was in office, remember the caravans of people how they are lining up by the thousands. That's not a spontaneous thing. That is a very well organized or given maps or given. I mean, they were even showing them how they're giving them uh, the morning after pill to women, condoms. You know, they want to have safe sex as they're on their way here. And, um, you know, because these women are getting raped. Um, but it's very well organized. They have the maps. They tell them what to ask for. And it was interesting in that, that video they were asking they were asking people what country country they were from most of a lot of them they're all pretty much from uh, latin american countries venezuela but there was a lot of chinese in there and they were asking the people who do you favor trump or biden and they're all saying oh we love biden 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 they don't even know george uh, joe biden but they know he's soft on immigration and that's why they have the opportunity to come to america and um and so if you look at what 
the people behind that, it's the UN, it's UNICEF, and it talks about the 17 sustainable goals of the United Nations, um, which people can go to the UN website and find out the 17 sustainable goals. This is all something to bring America down to no longer a sovereign nation or a superpower. This is something to erode America of where we stand. And, you know, I feel very 100% confident in this. This is not conspiracy. This is happening right in front of us. And so, you know, you were talking about, I forget what your question was or what your statement was, but that got me off on this. Well, what happened is after all that talk, the developing nation said, we're not going to be saddled for that. So this goes in to, it's a redistribution of wealth from wealthy nations to these poor nations. And it's a a redistribution of wealth uh, because if you go back to the UN Sustainable Charter, um, they want all nations to be the same. They want them all to have the same equity, the same income. And I mean, it sounds very familiar to Marxism to me. And, um, And so this administration is bowing down to that. And uh, it was interesting, you know, Biden has turned over or he's trying to turn over our medical sovereignty to the World Health Organization, the WHO, that if they declare a pandemic, they are going to tell you how you deal with a pandemic and then your nation has to do that. And, and people say that will never happen. I was reading last night uh, an article on the WHO was wanting to put a a worldwide tax on alcohol and sugar consumption, uh, that that the countries aren't taxing the products enough to curb lifestyles. And so you have the WHO, which is a non-elected body of people by by the constituents, dictating to us, and this falls right in line what you were saying, that, you know, um, on the climate, there's a few people dictating what the climate policy is, but then it's thrown on the masses to support it. And it's again, to redistribute wealth around the world. They're not going to change the climate by what they want to do. They're going to do more, just as much harm and degradation to the environment by mining and digging up all these rare earth minerals to make the batteries and uh, to make the windmills, to make the solar panels. And um, there's just got to be a better way. And again, this comes down to a government being tyrannical and telling people what you need to do. And this should be from the bottom up, from the people telling the government what to do. And that's the way our country was designed. Tomo Tet, Yoho, on Wonderful Wednesday, to summarize kind of what we're talking about here, we're talking about the need for us to um, tweak. I'd say just tweak is all it would take the grievances in the declaration to fit the situation we have now, which is not all that different. We're talking about the abuse of executive power, in case you need to make notes, students, hint, hint. Abuse of executive power, we can demonstrate that all day long. We're talking about ignoring the law, or even worse, cherry-picking the law to find one that you need and to ignore the ones that work and apply. Uh, we're talking about run, running roughshod over individual liberties. And most of all, you see a classic example of it now, retaliating against political opponents. And this is the most dangerous, in, in, in many ways, Ted, it's even more dangerous than the one Jefferson lays out 
with his complaints. <laughs> oh, it's way, way more because, you know, you look back then, they didn't have social media. They didn't have the, the, the police force in place. They didn't have the military in place that we have today. The government can pretty much tell everything that you're saying and doing, where you go, where you spend your money, where you go to get gas, where you buy your food. They can tell all this. They know all this now. All they have to do is hit the switch. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second generation family owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Word Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files here. It is not you, it is I and we. We uh, lost a flicker. All it took was a flicker of power in the production studio. As you know, we have to reboot the Internet. So, no, you have not lost your mind. Uh, you're back now with us and uh, back better than ever. So uh, we can't do much about the flicker, but we got it going. It happened right at the bottom of the hour, just before we went into Ward's weather. And the weather here in the piney woods of north central Florida is a little gloomy today in terms of our standards, about 50 right now maybe up almost to 70 later, but no rain, a little dark, a little windy, actually very nice. Give us a change of weather. I don't know how it is where you are, 
depending upon hopefully you survive Tennessee if you're up that way. Um, the scientists of climate change are still claiming 2023 will be the hottest year on record. Uh, we don't really buy into that all that much. I think you can ex understand why. The key there is that prepositional phrase, on record. You know, on record. Yeah. Well, well, well. We know about well, record. You know, they, they groom people into that, too, because the temperature outside is 80, but it feels like 90. <laughs> yeah, it feels like 90, yeah. Well, we were talking uh, when we went on the uh, forced break here about the grievances that were in the original um, Declaration of Independence and how you could just tweak them a little bit and have the same thing, only worse today, because the only thing we think we're looking at is a very, very bleak future for the country if the election laws are fiddled with again, uh, the liars uh, run everything, keep the narrative going, and you know are confused. You don't have a Ward Scott Files to tune into. Uh, we know uh, that the uh, Justice Department, um, at least the people feel this way, has filed trumped-up charges against Trump. It's nice to get to use trumped-up against Trump. There you um, go. Allegedly defrauding the U.S. Uh, we know that's all goofy. We know that Letitia James even campaigned for office in 2018 sure pledged to nail the sitting president. Go figure why she isn't kicked off and have to uh, recuse herself. I, I don't know why that's not applied. Um, we've talked about canceling student debt, COVID vaccines, Clean Air Acts, you, you run out of fingers and toes uh, with where we are right now. Censoring speech that progressives don't like. Um, Biden violating the First Amendment by colluding with the tech platforms to uh, shut people down like yours truly. Yeah, yeah wow. that's exactly right. I forgot about that. But yeah, they sure did. Oh, yeah. But it was that was happening before Biden. So it's that deep state. The right. The Obamanites or the people that put Obama in there, they're the ones controlling all this, you know, and they're the marionettes behind the scenes. And, um, you know, I mean, that had to happen before before Biden. And, well, the, term uh, I, the term I think sums it up is a term you can uh, put on the list. And the one I want to I want to offer an alternative to right now. <clears throat> Obamanization is what I think we're really talking about. Right. All these things that we've just listed became political norms under Obama. I'll, they did. I'll put that out there for discussion. Now comes an opportunity and the deep state, which became synonymous with Obama. Let's not leave that out. The deep state was probably always there, but yeah. Obama corrupted its presence. And he shined the light on it for sure. Yeah, he uh, he he used it against uh, he used it as George does against his own people. So yeah, if you take that and go with it, how do you nullify that? Well, Trump has got this huge lead, this that one another. I got to tell you, I'm going to play a little bit of a game here, but it's not a game. 
because I'm concerned that at the last minute, somehow, some way, this terribly corrupt government we're talking about will be able to keep Trump off the ballot. Now, let's, let's play that back. I think we need a backup plan. That's my point, what I'm talking about. Then you come to, well, who would make the best backup? I'm going to argue for, for the purposes of discussion here, DeSantis, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I think what every, and, and what made me realize it, Ted, more than ever, were the three presidents of the universities who could not bring themselves to attack evil. Right. And were condoned by a weak executive branch, right? Take, mm-hmm. if, you can take that, if you can take it into consideration here. So that made me think, how did they get to power? Well, there's a couple of articles. I think I sent them to you. They, they came up through the woke value system in the universities. Um, the woman from Harvard, all the way up the food chain there, applying her trade about abuse of African-Americans in one shape or form, getting degrees in it, getting advanced degrees in it, getting big salaries. We even have at the local level. We have a DEI. We have a DEI everywhere. We sure do. Let's have a a D. uh, So we got the sand. Let's have a a desanitization is what I call it. (laughs) Desanitization. A fumigation. Well, that's you, man. Yeah. <clears throat> An antidote <clears throat> that we can inject into this culture. And we've got a track record of him doing that already, all through Florida. Now, if I were his advisor, I would say, Ron, this is the only thing that separates you from the pack. This is, you need to be ready in case they kneecap Trump. Yeah. And you need to start talking about this because the people more than ever, I think, as a result of this college president fiasco and the glaring lack of candor with Israel, see wokeism more than they've ever been able to see it before. And so I'm just saying, that's my, that's my, I'm putting that out there for discussion. And no, I think you're right. I think it's uh, it's morphing too. It's becoming more ubiquitous, being everywhere. Um, that the whole wokeism it's just infiltrating everything in society, and this is where people have to be educated. They have to know where we came from. You have to always remember your roots, and um, you just have to know that. And we have to inform the next generation. Like I said, you know, you look at these young people today. Um, they weren't here when 20, uh, uh, 9-11 happened. They weren't here. And they just think that's just a distant memory like we did with uh, World War II, my generation. You know, it had ended in, what, 45, and I was born in 55. You know, so we just didn't feel the pain and the angst at that time. And I think what you just brought up is very valid. And the desantinization, I'm going to have to practice saying that, 
Uh, yeah, it takes a mouthful. It's a mouthful. You know, and I think you're absolutely right. And that was the whole reason I was going to enter the race because I saw Trump, you know, for everything that he's done bad, he's done a lot of good. And he's the one that they can't control. And I think that's what scares them more than anything. And my thought was, if they take him out, we're left with more establishment type of people. And I felt like I had a good handle on the direction for the nation. And it would be what's best for America, not what's best for me or a political party. It's what's best for America. And um, I think the only one other, you know, if Trump gets knocked out for whatever reason, um, DeSantis is really probably the only plausible choice we have. Well, you know, Nick, Nikki, what she caved to the wokes in Charlottesville. She sure did. She caved. She caved. So yeah. I, don't trust, I don't trust her. And, no. and uh, you know, none of the others have the DeSantis has talked to talk and walked to walk and done the deal. And he ought, in my humble opinion, he ought to be um, going after that. His uh, PIO guy, Brian, I think I didn't remember his name, Griffin, was uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, he mm -hmm. was a big friend of Ward Scott Files, uh, right. a big advocate for him. But, but they, they, this is the only thing. Yeah, Brian, Brian's been on the ball. This, this is the only thing that. He's got the others don't have, and he's done it. And it's applicable. I can't find a place that's not applicable. Right. It's, you know, it's applicable in the Internet. It's applicable to border. Why are we letting all these people in? Oh, well, you know, we are the – and you get on this, all this rhetoric and all this crap. Um, no, come on now. It's against the Constitution. I mean, that for that one reason, that guy ought to be impeached. Period. There shouldn't be any discussion about it. He, he, the president, according to Article 2, Section 3, shall faithfully execute the laws of the land. He's not doing it. He's subverting them. He's writing his own laws. And if you go back to those 27 lists or 27 grievances, <clears throat> number 10, he has enacted a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. <laughs> you yeah. think of of the uh, um, uh, the P um, pharmacy benefit managers, PBMs, you know, that was created to regulate the price of pharmaceuticals at the benefit of the pharmaceutical and insurance companies. Uh, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, CFPB, that came out of, that might have come out of Obamacare. Uh, it was an office and they have free reign. They have no oversight. And that they can tell you what you have to do. Then you look at the offices he's weaponized, the IRS, the USDA, then Department of Labor, you know, and the list just goes on, the FBI. Um, so he's done that just on number 10, 18, uh, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of a trial by jury. Look at all the January 6th people sitting in prison, rotting, and they haven't even been charged yet. Um Number 21, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our government. Look at how they've, they've uh, changed the election laws at, at the federal level, but they've applied it to the state levels. And that's why Biden won this. And then uh, look at what they're doing to the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, um, the, the, all the amendments. Um, 
And um, I think it's Scott Perry and others that had their phones confiscated by a warrant from the FBI and they took their phones away. It was not due process. It's like, I want your phone and I want it now. And so these things are happening in front of us. Um, and I, again, I would love for your listeners to start compiling their own list of what they've experienced and what they see from what they've read and what they know um, of grievances. And, and it would be interesting to see how many we came up with. I know there's going to be a lot that mimic the 27 original grievances, but I think there'll be some more egregious ones that are happening right now. And so then it comes, what do you do? We have these. I think we ought to do a petition to the federal government. And so for these reasons, um, we're not paying taxes or, or you know, we're going to vote you all out or, you know, until when you start abiding by these things, um, we're not going to participate. I don't know. I mean, we've got to do something. We can't go on because if you let it go on, you'll never bring it back. Well, 27 for sure. He has excited yeah. domestic insurrections amongst us. And yeah. You know, this, this, you know, people don't just do what they did on January 6th. I got that right. Right. Without cause. Right. And, and, and many of those people were tremendously loyal to the country. And oh, felt, they still are. And felt de desperate. Well, look, look what happened with Antifa and Black Lives Matter. How. Those, those were sponsored by, I don't want to say the government, but the government sure gave them a pass. Look at how many of those mayors in those towns where those, they are burning buildings down, <laughs> breaking into those buildings. And the, the mayor said, well, we're just letting, letting them vent. You know, where's the rule of law? And they didn't go after them because it served their political goals. Well, BLM's on, this, on the uh, patio street of D.C., yeah. Well, sure is. Yeah. So, Ted Yoho and Wonderful Wednesday. Uh, we are going to remind you again, I think it's time to do this, that we are a uh, not a democracy, we're a constitutional republic. Right. And one of the things that we are identifying is a difference between the progressives. They feel that the Constitution is out of date. They feel it needs to be, do they not, correct me if I'm wrong, Ted, needs to be revised. It's a moving target. It constantly is changing. One of the things that we don't believe is that you can change it without a process. But they do. They, they think they can. You know, nothing has brought that in sharper focus than the misinformation being spread, in my humble opinion. I'll give you another thing to talk about. Abortion. And, you know, no, no, Republicans are not saying they're against abortion. It is, you don't stick it in the Constitution. According right. to the Constitution, there's a process. You go back to the states. This woman from Texas, God bless her, yeah. Obviously was testing the state will. And all right. she had to do is not go to another state, which she did. Right. And that's the way it should be. And you know, yeah, it's inconvenient, but again, that's a state's issue. And it's you know, it's a terrible thing that anybody has to make that decision to do it. Um I forget what you were talking about. <laughs> I was talking about if they want to 
put the, as they say it, put abortion in the Constitution. There's a right. process for doing it. Oh, yeah. The, the yeah. amendment. But then not the way it was done. So now it's back in the states. And if you want to change it in Texas, Texas has a process for doing it. Right. What was the point? I mean, yeah. I'll tell you what the point was. To stir up negative misinformation about Republicans. Sure. That, that, that's what she was used, I think, to do that, Ted. Oh, no doubt. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And um, you were talking about how the Democrats look at the Constitution. We've talked about that several times as a living, breathing document. And I don't want to equate the Constitution with the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments are pretty much written in stone. And uh, they were written by God. The Constitution was inspired by God. But yet it is a document where things are spelled out. They're very crystal clear. Uh, there's some uh, places that, well, it says it. Those things that are not um, uh, um, um, written for the federal government to do are left to the states. If they're not defined for the federal government, the states do them. And I think your example of abortion is spot on. And there is an amendment process. But this is where the left, they always bypass the law. And they always have an excuse and they carry it on long enough to where another election cycle or two happens and people forget it. I mean, look at Obamacare. It was uh, deemed a, a tax at one point. It was illegal, yet it's still here. And uh, and this is what they do. And this is where the Republicans screw up. Uh, I wanted to bring up something, if I may, before the end. You know, we sit here and we, we, we talk about all the problems what do we do for the solution? Well, the next solution that we really need to work on in unison and in large numbers is the next election. Uh, in Florida, it'll be in August, will be the primaries, <clears throat> and the general will be in November. And what I would encourage people to do, and I, would, I didn't do this in the past, but I'm going to do it this year, is I'm going to sign up to be a poll watcher. And I think this is something that we all can do. Uh, it's going to be inconvenient, but living in the world that the Democrats want to create is going to be more inconvenient. And I think if we come out in mass at the polls that we can offer the best solution we have for free and fair elections, uh, there's still going to be nefarious things. And, um, um, you know, I think that's something that's an action item that we need to talk about and get people engaged. And it's a pain in the rear end. You know, it's going to be on somebody's birthday. It's going to be, you know, there's always going to be a great excuse or why you can't do it. And I understand that, but we only need a, re a one good reason of why we should do it. And I think the survival of this country is a great reason to do that. Well, I think we also need uh, to keep on the front burner. Um, and poll watching is involved with this, but the integrity of the voting system. Yeah. And um, there's some articles out right now. I'm just looking at the computer here about several more and more people are coming forward and saying, well, you know, I cheated on that absentee ballot. Yeah. yeah. More and more are just admitting it. And I like to think they're admitting it because they're guilty and they realize they don't want this to happen again. But I'm afraid it's just going to get, oh, well, that's the exception. Uh, that doesn't really mean anything. Um, that's not the way it's, it's all safe. It's all secure. I don't think a lot of people are going to believe that. 
No, I agree with you on that. And that's why, you know, again, you have your, your program is so valuable because you can motivate people to do something and organize them. And if we do this in mass and you're listened all over the country, I know there's people in Bolivia listening to you. Um, ah. if, if you can, if you can start a groundswell of movement and just said, we're not putting up with this anymore. We, we know this is wrong and we're going to be here to right this wrong. And uh, I think if we do that and we do it in mass, America will be fine. You know, if we depend on the system and if you don't like it, like you brought it up, if you don't like what's in the constitution, that's great. Bring up an amendment. Let's get it changed. They've done that in the past with the Women's Suffrage Act, with the prohibition, um, with the equal rights amendments and all these things. And it can be done. It's a burdensome pro uh, project to do and undertaking. But yet the end result is usually better. Um, and, and if it's not, they'll repeal it like they did with prohibition. Well, we are at the end of the hour. We're inviting you, Ted and I, to create a list of grievances uh, that you would like to see addressed. Yeah, I look forward to hearing it. To see yeah, them. going forward. You can certainly uh, uh, email them to me, wardscottfiles at gmail.com, and um, we'll try to compile them and, and see if we can get anywhere with it. But um, we apologize for our little delay at the bottom of the hour. We didn't have any control over that. That was the old internet and the fickle electricity. If we just didn't have that darn climate change. We well, I think you talked about that that beat word too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it went right off after that. Yeah, There's right, right, right. We know sensitive. we're being watched. We we think they interrupted us on purpose. So uh <laughs> what can you do when you're having fun, right? So right. Um, Ted, thanks and have a great day. Hopefully see you uh, next week. You got your own little advertisement going on now. And uh, people <laughs> Tell check Tim, out. thank you, Tim. Thank you. And uh I appreciate you and all your listeners. And thanks okay. for the opportunity and uh, the privilege of being on with you. Same here, Ted. Have a great day, you all. Uh, Warthog Command Center out. Later. Bye.